This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Good morning. Again, my name is Pastor Mark. I'm the children's and creative pastor here. And um, you guys are going to get to hear from myself and Pastor Chad and Pastor Tristan. So this is going to be awesome. Um, In Bridge Kids, we use something called a bottom line. This is the one thing that I want every kid to remember for the day. So that way when mom or dad come to check their kid out uh, from Bridge Kids, they can say, hey, today I learned this. So today, guys, I have a treat for you. I have a bottom line for us. And just like in Bridge Kids, can we say this together? Let's say it. You always have something to be grateful for. One more time. You always have something to be grateful for. Wow, good job, guys. I'm going to tell my bridge kids. My parents have been practicing. This is awesome. (laughs) Well, let me start with a little context of who I am. My wife, Suzanne, and I, we moved Actually, we were the very first interns here at the bridge in 2014. Uh, We got married right before our junior year of college and moved to Maryville uh, to finish our bachelor's degree at Northwest. And one of the first things we did when we got to town was we searched for a place to get connected, uh, a church. Uh, We were hungry to serve, and I'll always remember when we first met Randy Arnold. uh, He said, if you come here, we'll put you to work. And that was music to our ears. Um, And little did we know that as much of an answered prayer that serving was for us, it was exceedingly more of an answered prayer to a church of 32 who had just committed to a total restart. When I look at the bridge and reflect on the last eight years, all that God has done and the lives that he has changed, I'm, I'm filled with gratitude. Um, God could have picked anyone to do his work in Maryville. He could have picked anyone, but guys, he chose us. And the awesome thing is we all have a part to play in God's work. We all have a part to play in loving God well and loving his people. So for the next few minutes, I want to share a couple Bridge Kids-related stories with you just to show how awesome God is and how he works in our lives. And to set the tone, uh, let's take a look together at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. 1 Timothy 4, 12. It says this, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If I'm being honest, I I already see this in our Bridge Kids classrooms um, every week. Our kids are setting an example by how they live. Uh, Check out this story. I got a message from a mom of a boy who's in our preschool class, and the mom said this in the message. My son was showing a daycare friend how to pray in case she wanted to go to his kids' church. He said, it's easy. Just hook your hands together and talk to God. Okay, my heart, wow, Uh, but isn't that awesome? Uh, Preschoolers are saying that they're setting an example by how they live. Um, Here's another one. Later today, there are two recently promoted bridge kids who are going into middle school. Uh, They're being baptized today, and seeing these two decide to follow Jesus and publicly declare their faith is nothing short of amazing. Um, I sit down with every person who's being baptized, and we put together a video of the why. Why are you being baptized? And one of them said this quote, which really rocked me. He said this, now that I know Jesus, I know there's a place for me in the world, and I feel strong because of that. Now that I know Jesus, I know that there's a place for me in the world, and I feel strong. Um, 
Man, that's so good. We could, we could just stop right there and say amen and have a great day, but uh, that's awesome. <laughs> um, here's the last one. We've brought in six high school students into, um, uh, to serve as small group leaders in our kindergarten through fourth grade class. And can I tell you, the coolest person in a kid's life is a teenager. It's a high schooler. They can say the exact same thing that Pastor Mark says, and it's guaranteed to be 100 times cooler, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I love seeing the kids play with Brad Heredia. Uh, he can literally literally tell a kid, hey, I like your shirt. And the kid will be like, oh, did you hear that? He likes my shirt. I'm going to wear this every day. Ah, this is awesome. <laughs> um, and just like that, the first Sunday, Lily Hansen, she helped in our small as a small group leader. Um, a kindergarten girl came and just sat on her lap when we were doing small groups. And uh, it's just awesome. The kids are really connected to our teenagers like magnets. Uh, it's a blessing to observe. It really is. Well, let me switch gears a little bit. If you have your Bible with you this morning, would you turn to Luke chapter 17 with me? Luke 17, starting in 11. I love these stories that I just shared because they remind me to be grateful. They really do. Um, and I want to share from Luke 17 with you. It's a, it's a great story about thankfulness. Luke 17, 11 through 19. It says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And when he saw them, he said this. In church, it happens fast, so here we go. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Now catch this here, verse 15. One of them, how many were there originally? Ten, right. One of them. When he saw he was healed, he came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Leprosy was a terrible skin disease. It, it affected the skin and the nerves, and at the time, there was no cure for it, and it was highly contagious. And in the Old Testament, God had specific instructions for this disease. In fact, only a priest could be the one to decide if someone had been healed of leprosy or not. That's why Jesus said, go and show yourselves to the priest. And out of the ten lepers, only one came back. And I have to pause there and, and ask us this question, and I'm asking myself this today, but would I have gone back? Would I have gone back and, and said thank you to Jesus? You know, if I'm being honest, I'd like to say yes, um, but how many times has God blessed us with something and we just overlooked it, right? The blessings of our family, the blessings of our jobs, the blessings of our kids, or how about answers to prayers that we have prayed for for so long? Would I have gone back? Well, let me encourage you with a thought. In Jesus, when, when our faith is in Jesus, there is no shame for yesterday. There's no guilt for yesterday, for the stuff that happened in the past. There's only hope for tomorrow, and God's mercy is new, and it's fresh every morning. The Bible says that his faithfulness is great. So I'm going to finish with one of my favorite Bible verses. It's 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, and it talks about God's will for your life. It says this, Always be joyful, never stop praying, and here it is, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Be thankful in all circumstances. Start to think through a lens of thankfulness. 
Guys, when we're thankful, it destroys pride in our life. When we're thankful, it, the world stops revolving around us. And when we're thankful, we start to honor others above ourselves. The leper who went back and threw himself at Jesus' feet, praising God and, and thanking Jesus, knew that this was the proper way to respond to all Jesus had done for him. And you know, when I look back over the last few years, and I remember all that God has done through our church and through our Bridge Kids program and in our lives, guys, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful. God could have chose anyone to do his work. He could have chose literally anyone, but he chose us. And the awesome thing is we all have a part to play. Amen? So let's remember our bottom line today. You always have something to be grateful for. Guys, thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Um, hello, everyone. I am Pastor Tristan, and I am the student ministries pastor here at The Bridge. Uh, my wife, Lily, and I have been so blessed to get to witness what God is doing in the lives of these young people. Before I talk about that, I want to jump back about three years ago. It was my first time ever in this building at The Bridge. Um, and then my first time here, I was a little nervous because it's a new church. And it was the first Sunday that Chad asked if people wanted to help get a youth ministry started because there was nothing currently taking place to pour into the lives of our middle school or high school students. Um, and man, without skipping a beat, I was like, I need you there. I need, I need you there. And I'm like, all right, all right. So after, after service, when we talk to Chad, you can call me faithful, you can call me insane, whichever you prefer. Um, I'll answer to both, but I went and talked to Chad. Uh, me and a small team of two other college students, including Jenny James and Hannah Lang, we, we got to work. Um, we got to work. We started a middle school class that took place on Sunday mornings, and then we had a high school, I'll call it a small group, that took place over at the East Campus um, on Sunday evenings. What we did was really simple. We just shared the, God's word with these students. Um, we were trying to be good stewards of the gospel. We wanted to communicate God's desires for these young lives. We wanted them to know who God was and have a personal relationship with him. We didn't have like a big worship team that we're blessed with today. We didn't have a specific service that the students could go to like we do today. We didn't even have a name. We were just, hey, come hang out, if that's the name. Um, we were just doing the best we could do. We were figuring it out along the way. The ministry completely shifted when we were blessed with the Emmons to join us full, full time. God gave them such a creativity and such a vision for this ministry that we're actually still seeing the fruits of that, of their work um, here today. They set such an amazing foundation for us to build on. And similarly, when the mains took over and started leading the youth ministry, that growth continued. I mean, we were seeing growth not only in numbers, but in actual lives that were impacted by the gospel, actual lives that were impacted by the love of Jesus Christ right here. And so what God has started today with just three college students, or excuse me, what God has started with three college students is what we're seeing today, what we're getting to witness. What started as just a middle school class on Sunday mornings has now also transformed into a Wednesday service that they can be a part of as well. What started as a high school small group has completely grown into a Wednesday night service for them. Not only are they attending those Wednesday nights, but they're actually leading in those Wednesday nights. They're sitting here pouring into their peers and helping lead this ministry, helping lead others to Christ. What started with three college students has now grown into a team of 13 other crazy people that want to help out with youth ministry. And like they don't just give a night of their week. They, don't, they aren't just here on Wednesday nights. They're helping me throughout the week plan events. They're helping me come up with ideas. 
they're just dedicated to showing Christ to these young students. Our students are constantly bringing in new people into this building, which I will say has made it a little bit of a challenge for me and Lily to learn some names. But we're up, we're up for the challenge, keep bringing them in. Um, but we had 93 students here in this room during our end of school year bash. That was just at the end of May. 93 students got to hear the gospel. They got to hear that there is a God out there who put the stars in the sky and pulled the mountains from the ground. That same God desires them, loves them, created them for a purpose, and died on the cross for them. They then got to witness two baptisms. They got to see two of their peers that they go to school with dedicate their life to Christ. That's almost 100 young lives that were impacted right here in this room, that God trusted us with that moment and all of those people. 100 lives that are impacted for eternity. One of the most amazing things I've gotten to see is the seeds that were planted when it was just three college students trying to figure it out. Those same seeds are still here, and they've grown to produce such amazing sweet fruit. As I mentioned, we started with a small crew, but those kids that were there then are here now. And not only are they here now, but they've actually brought people alongside with them. They've grabbed their cousins, their siblings, their friends, their neighbors, anyone that they can get to come to Wednesday nights they're bringing. I mean, there are people that come in literally car loads, almost like a clown car, and you just, they just keep coming out. It is awesome. It is awesome to get, get to witness. Our God is in the business of using a little to make a lot. When God told me he wanted me to help start this youth ministry, I would have honestly never thought we are where we are today. I could have never imagined um, the growth that we got to see him do. There's honestly so much more that I could share with you. I could share um, that we have students both in middle school and high school who are actually the only believers in their families, that when they go home, they are not surrounded by believers in Christ. And I'm so excited to see what God does with those students and their families, how he's going to use them to evangelize in their families. Um, I could tell you that um, there are so many students that are comfortable, so comfortable in our youth group that they're confessing sin struggles and addictions, and it's immediately followed up with prayer led by the students. I could share with you the large amount of number of students who've accepted the call of salvation, accepted that gift that Jesus gives us, and then the number of students who desire baptism. But what I really want to share with you as I wrap this up is how I would not have been able to witness any of this I would not have been able to see any of this if I had not stepped out in faith with God. My senior year of college, um, when Chad asked if anyone wanted to help start this youth ministry. I didn't mention this earlier, but when, when Chad asked, me and God were having a little bit of a fight over there in the third row, first seat in. When he goes, hey, Tristan, I, need you to, I want you there. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know about that one. So many reasons kept coming in my head on why I shouldn't or couldn't do it. Tristan, you have no experience in ministry. You have no experience in youth ministry. Tristan, you're not cool enough to be in youth ministry. Tristan, you're a full-time student. You work full-time. You have no time to give. Tristan, it's your senior year of college. You really should be focused on your studies, focused on your classes, applying for those internships, applying for those jobs. That way it'll push you in front of your career. Reason after reason kept coming up over and over. And if I had listened to any of them, I wouldn't be able to see God's faithfulness. I wouldn't be able to experience um, how he fulfills all of his promises. As we take a step towards him, he takes a step towards us. I wouldn't be able to see any of that. Which leads me to tell you that you have something 
to give. Um, you have a way that you're able to serve. You have a little that God wants to make into a lot. Awesome. Can we say thank you to Pastor Mark and Pastor Tristan? Appreciate having both of them on staff with us. So the week before Jesus was crucified, it's known as Palm Sunday. And if you're thinking about the first Palm Sunday, you would think about the fact that Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey. The Bible tells us that he entered into town through Bethpage and he came to the Mount of Olives. And he's preparing for the end. This is going to be the Last Supper, his arrest and his crucifixion. And in Matthew chapter 22, excuse me, 21, verses 2 and 3, it says that he sent two disciples and he told them, he said, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her, untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say the Lord needs them and you will send them, they will send them right away. What is going on here in this story that we really need these two donkeys involved? Every Easter pageant you've seen where there was only one donkey, that was a lie. There were two. It was a donkey and the cult of that donkey. But why, why is this even written in? We have a God who has made everything and needs nothing. Yet Jesus says, go and get me these two donkeys and say, the Lord has need of them. Did he need the five loaves and the two fish in order to perform a miracle and feed 5,000 people? Did he need Moses standing there with a staff in order to part the Red Sea? Did he need Joshua and his army to march around the walls in order for them to fall at Jericho? I don't think he needed any of that. What he was doing is he was inviting them to be part of the story. So as he rode into Jerusalem that day on a donkey, as others were watching this, and Jesus could have entered any other way, he could have flown in, he could have walked in, he could have come in singing hallelujah, doesn't matter, but he came and he could have flown in like Peter Pan or Iron Man, whichever age group you're a part of, you can apply that illustration, but he doesn't need anything or anyone to heal a heart. He doesn't need anything or anyone to save a life, to forgive a sin, to redeem a broken world. So what is he doing asking for two donkeys? As he rode in to Jerusalem that day, crowds of people were throwing their cloaks on the ground, shouting Hosanna to the highest. And somewhere in that crowd was a man who owned two donkeys who was written into the story. He was invited to be part of that story. And today, you and I get to be part of the story. We don't have to. For those of you who God is speaking to, if you're feeling a tug in your heart to give, if God is writing you into this story, He doesn't need us to tell the story. He's inviting you. He's saying, come with me. Have the faith to believe that if you will give, I will provide. That is the God that we serve. He doesn't need us, but He invites us to be a part of the story. He's giving us the opportunity. And those of you that give your time to serve in Bridge Kids, to welcome people at the hospitality desk, to welcome people when they walk in the front door, to work in the youth ministry or in the nursery. Every single time you do it, God is riding you into someone's story. 
Every time you give sacrificially, God is writing you into someone's story. And not only will you be blessed for that, but someone else's life will be changed and you got to be a part of that. And that's what today is about. So as we're closing this thing up, I want to show you the story of Jesus feeding the multitude of people. And I want to talk about two things that apply to us today as we bless what God is going to do here at the bridge in the youth ministry. So I want to show you two things that I read when I see this story. Again, we mentioned that Jesus was feeding 5,000 people. That's what it said. But actually, when it was written, those were 5,000 men. So that didn't count the women and children that would have been there. So really, there could have been anywhere from fifteen to 20,000 people in this group as, as Jesus began to teach that day. And as he was teaching, he began to teach, and he kept teaching, and he kept teaching, and he kept teaching, and he went all day into the night, like I could do today if we really wanted to. It's only 9.45. I could be here till 2 o'clock, just keep teaching, Right? Everybody excited about that? Yeah, awesome. We might just do that then. He just kept teaching. And all of a sudden, just like we do about noon, but this is on into the evening and the disciples begin to get hungry and the people are grumbling and they're saying, what are we going to do? So they come to Jesus and they're Jesus. They're, they're getting hungry. What do we do? And Jesus told him in Luke chapter 9, 13, he said, you give them something to eat. And so they looked around they probably made a phone call to somebody just like that. They looked around. They're trying to find out what are we going to do. And they found one little boy who had five loaves and two fish. And he was willing to give it. And so they come to Jesus. And this is what they said. We only have five loaves of bread and two fish. Unless we go and buy food for all this crowd. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. The disciples did so. Everyone sat down, taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and he broke them. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute to the people. Now, if you'll read that, it doesn't say that Jesus broke them 5,000 times or 10,000 or ever how many people were there. He broke them and gave it to the disciples and they began to break it. If you can imagine standing there in the crowd, breaking bread and fish and it just continues to multiply time after time after time. What brought the multiplication? I think two things had to happen. As we're thinking about giving today, as we, as we sacrificially give, I'm praying that God would take what we give and multiply it. So how's he going to do that? Based on this story, I see two things. The first thing that happened is Jesus blessed it. It had to be blessed by him before it was going to multiply. Had they just started trying to give it out, it probably wasn't going anywhere. But Jesus looked to heaven and he prayed over it and he blessed it. In Hebrews chapter 7, it talks about us giving our tithes and offerings. And it says that Jesus receives them and blesses them. And with that blessing of Jesus on our giving, it can multiply. had to be multiplied in order to feed that many people. Can I be honest with you? What we're going to ask today, God's going to have to do some multiplication in order to do what we're asking. I don't know how it's going to happen, if I'm just being quite honest with you. It seems way bigger than I can imagine. 
but that's the God I serve. So Jesus blessed it. But the second thing that had to happen, and it had to do with people just like you and me, the second thing that had to happen is it had to be given away. The little boy had to be willing to go, I got five loaves and two fish. You can try this. To a multitude of people, what was that? Seemed like nothing. Maybe you're sitting there today going, I don't have a lot to give. It may seem like nothing. But what seemed like nothing to a boy, he got to go home that day and tell his parents, I just fed a multitude of people. Why? Because he gave it. Jesus blessed it and it multiplied. The disciples could have looked at it and said, hey, we're more important, we're hungry, let's eat this and let them deal with themselves. But no, they began to pass it out. They began to give it away. And as they did, it multiplied. Can you imagine what God can do if we're just willing to give? If he could do that with five loaves and two fish, what could he do if all of us in this room are willing to give? If we're willing to do what God has called us to do? That God would bless what we give in order to make it multiply. Now I know many of you are sitting here, some of you brand new, and you're going, what in the world did I get myself into? I want to talk to you about what we're giving towards. We've been talking about this for three weeks. Like I said, we've been building up to this very moment, preparing to ask you to give. So what are you giving towards? What are, what's the plan? I want to share that with you. I want to be very upfront with you, and we're going to share this with you over the time as we're doing it. So here's what our plan looks like. We have a space that used to be Suddenlink and a salon that is no longer occupied. It is now available for us to use. And so we had some plans written up knowing we were going to do this. If you want to put that first picture up there, I'll show you this. So this youth center, uh, this would be the salon there right now. And then this would be the garage bay where Suddenlink used to park their vans and keep all of their stuff. So here are some bathrooms that are going to go between this, is, this says youth center, but that's actually our 180 room. That's our kids' area right now. So we're looking to put bathrooms in between for all of our kids to be able to enjoy. And we had this idea of putting this right here, a place where kids could, students could come, they could have coffee, hang out, and then they would come into this space, they would play games, have a stage just like this, have a service like they do every Wednesday night right here, but it would be their own. Think about your teenager. Do they not like their own space? So we wanted to create a space for them. But as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I was sitting on vacation and I heard about these 93 students that Tristan talked about having on one night. And I began to think about this space and I was like, okay, how many seats do we have here? And if you counted that, there's 80 seats there. That's a problem. We've kind of already outgrown the space we haven't built yet. Clearly we didn't plan big enough. So here's what we're looking to do. Second picture, we'll show you. We're going to still make this a coffee area for students to come in and hang out. This is not just on Wednesdays and Sundays. We're putting a, a counter around the outside wall so that students could come in with their computers after school. They can get help with homework. They can come in and hang out and have a safe place to, to go and hang out with their friends. So this is not just going to be for Sundays and Wednesdays. This is for throughout the week for them to be able to enjoy 
This right here is going to be a, just a game area. We're putting a rubber floor down, just like you would see in a, like an activities building or a gym. And we're going to make that a place where they can play nine square and not tear all of our ceiling tiles out. If you haven't seen that already, it's pretty bad. So we're giving them a place, where, a place where they can do that and not pop every ball that they try to use. And there'll be a place where they can play volleyball or basketball or whatever that may be. So we're going to make that just a gaming area. We still want to put bathrooms right in between. If you'll notice, this small bathroom right here is for the preschool room. So right now, if you're a preschool uh, helper, you would know that it's very difficult in the middle of the hour that we're in here meeting, they try to take all of those preschool kids to the bathroom and back, and it takes half of their time that they would be teaching or doing something else just to wrangle those kids to the restroom and back. Now they're going to have their own bathroom right there connected. So that's part of what we're doing. And finally, this is the same seating area. You'll notice there's only 80 seats there, but there's a lot more room. So what we're going to do is we're, I talked to Pastor Mark about this, and I said, can we allow the students to share that space with you and your kids? So where the kids meet on Sunday morning, right now their stage is here, and this is the screen, and that's where they typically are sitting. We're just going to shift that to the, what would be the north wall in the 180 room, and we're going to create a stage and a place where they can have kids church on Sundays and have youth on Wednesday nights. And that's the whole game plan right there. That's what we have in mind to do. One more thing I want to share with you before I tell you the last part. Right now our nursery is up here. And we are looking at taking the nursery and moving it to this meeting room right here. It's really the only classroom we have. And we're going to swap and put our nursery here and put our classroom over there. And you would say, why in the world would you do that? Well, we're creating a kid's wing. If you know where you walk into the 180 room, there's a little hallway there. And so we're planning to put a table, a barrier of some kind, where we will check students in, your infants, your toddlers, your kids, your students, whoever they may be, they will check in right there. And then they go into a safe place where only workers that are qualified and supposed to be there will be there. So we can keep protection on all of our kids. So we can know that they're safe, they're secure, all in one area. And that's the whole purpose for moving the nursery to that room. We'll still have that same classroom for small groups to meet in, for other things to happen. It'll just be where the nursery is right now. And so all of that is the plan that we are looking to go after. And so the question is, how much is this going to cost? What are you asking of us, Chad? Well, if you sum all that together, the idea is it's going to be about $200,000. That's a lot of money. $200,000 to build a youth space, to do bathrooms, and to, to swap out that nursery and classroom. $200,000 is what we're asking. I'm going to get a little crazier, if you will. When do you want to have this done? What's the goal here? Are you ready? August 15th is a Sunday. And August 15th is about a week before school starts. And my goal... My desire is that we would have this ready so that when school starts, the kids have a place to go. Students have a place to go. Anybody that walks in this building has a place that is offered to them. It's a place for them to go and have a moment with God, a time where they can be together in fellowship. All of that can happen right here. So that is 62 days, if you're doing the math. 62 days from today, 
I would love to be able to say, we have this building space done, we have it totally paid for, and we're rolling. That's all I can do. All I can do is share the, the goal, to share the vision that we have. It's up to God to do the rest. Just like he did with five loaves and two fish. All the boy did was give it. All the disciples did was complain and say, we're hungry and so are they. But Jesus blessed it. They gave it away and God took care of the rest. And it began to multiply. So that's what we're asking. $200,000 in order to have a space, a safe space for our children, our infants, our toddlers, a place where they can use the restroom and a place for our students to go after school. So I know you think I'm crazy, but I think we can pull this off. If you want to think about it, this building we're in right now, as Randy talked about that, knowing what they did to remodel this, did you know our insurance policy tells us if they had replaced this building, it's a $2 million building at this point, 30 people. Tell me that's not some multiplication right there. 30 people transformed this place into what it is today. If they can do that, surely we can do this together. If we're all in this together, I think we can pull this off. Part of what we're going to need financially has already been taken care of. That's the amazing part of this. Let me tell you something awesome. Dustin Struby, right here, he's sitting on the fourth row right over here, hanging out. He, I talked to him about this, and he's actually going to help us build the restrooms. He and his crew are going to take care of that part of it. But he also said, I got a skid loader and a dump truck. I can help with demo. So you know what? We're going to demo that space ourselves. We don't have to pay that part. Dustin's volunteering him and his crew to come in. And this is where you get involved. The students are coming in for a baptism. So they're just going to roll in here with us. But this is where I need you. This coming Friday and Saturday. We are going to demo that youth space. What used to be Sudden Link and the salon. There's walls in there that need to be brought down. There's ceiling that needs to be brought down. And so we're going to tackle that on this coming Friday and Saturday, June 18th and 19th. So if you are somebody that can hold a hammer, that can swing a hammer, that can be here to disconnect wires, whatever it may be, we're going to make it safe. But we would love to have your help in doing that. We're probably going to get some students involved in that as well and let it be part of their project as well. So this coming Friday, I know it's a work day. If that's a day that you work, I totally understand. If you want to take off and help us, we'd love to have you here at 8 o'clock on Friday morning. If you can't do that, we're going to be back Saturday morning at 8 o'clock, and we would love to have you help with that. Anybody that wants to get involved can. We will find something for you to do. We would love to have you help with that. been looking forward to this for a long time and I can't tell you how excited I am because now we're just sharing the vision I can't wait to be at the end of this thing talking about what God has done and I want to share with you one last thing if you received a bulletin when you came in you'll notice at the top it says 22,000 reasons why in the world are we calling this you probably thought oh they're wanting $22,000 nope we're asking for 200,000 Multiply it. <laughs> 22,000 reasons. What are we talking about? There are 22,095 people in Nottaway County. 
That's 22,000 reasons why we want to take this space and make it available to our students. 22,000 people. Of those 22,000, statistics would say that 14% are going to church somewhere. That's a lot of people left unchurched. And if I'm being honest with you, the reason we said 22,000 is because some of those go to church, but we are reaching beyond that. We're reaching up into Iowa, into other areas where people are driving in. So those are 22,000 reasons why we're asking you to give today. Here's the thing I want to tell you. I mentioned this earlier. I'm asking you not to take what you would normally tithe and just put that towards the youth space. That's God's. What, what you're going to do is give an offering that would go towards the youth space. And maybe you came today and you're like, I didn't come planning to give. I totally understand that. Today is not the only day. Again, we have 62 days that we're, our goal is to try to reach this in the next 62 days. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Maybe you're a person that lives on a budget that's like, I want to give, but I want to give like a pledge to say I can do this over the next two years. Totally fine with me. That takes two years for you to give what you need to give. That's totally fine. All I'm asking you to do today is do what God asks you to do. Not what I'm asking. I'm just placing the vision out there. The rest is completely up to God. I will tell you today, you probably already know this, I am not a salesman. I am not here to eke every dime out of you. That's not what this is about. We have shared what God is doing here and we have shared the vision that he has for the bridge to reach this community and the surrounding areas. So if God's going to put that on our hearts, it's up to him to complete it. So will you bow your heads with me? This is a moment where I'm going to let God do the talking. You've got to hear from Pastor Mark, from Pastor Tristan, and from myself. I believe some of you, God already has been talking to you over the last few weeks, maybe the last few months, about this moment. Why do I believe that? Because some of you have talked to me about it. But we're going to receive an offering today. Whether you give in this offering or not, as I pray, all I'm going to ask is that you would open your heart to say, God, what would you have me give? Again, it may not be this morning. It may not be right now. Maybe you have something you want to sell in order to give. Maybe you have something. I'm not even going to put something in your mind because that is between you and God. That is not up to me. All I'm going to pray is that God would speak to us. And if he is speaking to you, that is between you and him. So Father, I stand before you today humbled that I get to be part of the story. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity to be part of what you're doing here at the bridge. That's part of that gratitude that Mark talked about earlier. Thank you for bringing us into this. Lord, you brought every person into this building knowing they had something to offer the bridge. Whether it be a financial gift, whether it be offering their time, whether it be offering their talents or their abilities. 
But God, you've placed something on our hearts to create a space for students, for their lives to change. As we know, it is important for students to receive Christ at a young age. It's the most important time in their life to know you. And I just pray for so many thousands of opportunities that are going to come as we're willing to do what you've called us to do today. The amount of lives that are going to be changed are beyond what we could ever fathom, God. And so I just say thank you for letting us be a part of it. And Father, as we give today, I pray that it is blessed by your hand, that it is touched by you so that it can multiply. Just as you fed the multitude that day with five loaves and two fish, I pray that what we give today would multiply into what we need to make this youth space function, to make a safe place for our kids to go, and for countless opportunities for people to receive Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 